You're listening to my aimless conversation with Jeff Cosetta. My guest today, Dan Sullivan. Dan and I have known each other and worked together for the last few years, and Dan is one of the most quick-witted and has one of the sharpest minds of anyone that I've ever met before. Dan's also married to a fantastic woman named Jess, with whom I also used to work. And during this conversation, we talk about the different states of water, whether it be liquid, gaseous, or solid, him being the youngest of five siblings and what he used to be able to get away with, the whole purpose and thought process behind building a tiny house, dealing with digestive health issues, and also how important it is to have a perspective other than your own. And hey, if you like this show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Google Podcast, or Podbean. And maybe, maybe you give us a five-star rating or share with a friend to help the podcast grow. And thank you all for listening to the show. I truly do appreciate all the love and support for the podcast. All right, enough of the mushy stuff. Let's have an aimless conversation with Dan Sullivan. Do I consent to your recording? Well, consent is a great thing. Not that I want to start off on that. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, that's just, that's just way, way over the top, but um, let's dive into the deep end. Let's, hey, deep end, man. I can't, I can't. So let's, let's talk about that. How good of a swimmer are you, sir? I, uh, I can, I can do the doggy days? paddle. That's about it. I can't hold my breath. I'm a shitty swimmer, sir. I was quite the swimmer. Um, my whole life, I, I don't swim as much anymore, but I actually, uh, mainly because of the, the uh, pandemic, you know, swimming pools are one of those things that there's, if you have a bunch of people and there's snotting in it, you know, little kids are peeing in it. Um, so it's, it makes sense that they kind of put the kibosh on that for the pandemic. But um, yeah, I usually, I shoot up to the community college locally and um great it's by far the best workout on the planet like it's See, low I, impact for everything it works all your muscles you know you shed fat it's fantastic see i would i would think you'd be and and, and this is just my initial assumption of you and we'll, we'll kind of circle back to that but my initial assumption assumption would be like you would be totally that surf type of guy like get me a surfboard let me find some waves and then hang 10 that's just how you strike me or initially anyway. Yeah. So I just, I, um, I'm actually incredibly offended by that. Um, because I, no, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I actually you should be offended. I do. I did surf a little bit growing up. Um, but it was, it was really just my sister had a board and, um, and so I would go and like, I got a wetsuit and we would try it out. And it was one of those things where I really, really liked it while simultaneously realizing that I was not going to ever get any better. And I just wasn't all that good, you know, because I snowboarded and I skateboarded, I could get up on a surfboard, but beyond that, it's, it was plus Cape Cod, 50 degree water. You know, you got to wear a full wetsuit all the time. It's just, 
Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. So you, you seem that so to, I was, I was half right on my initial gut wrench reaction to you. You're more of a, you, you like the water only when it's below 32 degrees and in powder form that you can shred that powder. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's just a matter of States, you know? Yeah. So I'm not huge into, I'm, I'm more into the solid, less than to the uh, fluid or gaseous. See, I'm all about the gas. Put me in a steam room. I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> put me in a sauna that's that's what Saunas it is they're supposed to be crazy good for you yeah i guess like every house in sweden or one of those you know one of the uh one of the countries up there uh has you know they like everybody has a sauna in their house it's a big part of their just general health and wellness regime uh regimen regimen regime <laughs> It doesn't matter. So, you know, th those Swedes, that's the Swedish regime, you know, they're coming in there, they're breaking into your house and installing saunas for everybody. That's a regime I can get behind, sir. That's so good. I, um, well, it's funny. Cause so I've never, I've, I've been in a couple of saunas and as we kind of mentioned before we started the show, we're not going to mention we're, we're coworkers. Uh, we work for the same company. We're not going to mention that cause I don't want to get sued or in trouble or, or anything, but uh, when I was traveling I for Chip work. and Dale's corporate. Oh my God. I just said, you name. just said it. So, oh. so you, you're the Swayze. I'm the Farley. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, and anybody that gets that reference, kudos to you. Anybody yeah. that wasn't born in the eighties or nineties or earlier won't, will get that reference. Anybody born mid nineties on probably won't get that reference. Unless it's, you're a deep, a... it's a deep cut for the youngins these days. <laughs> yes, very true. But no, I mentioned, uh, I, we, I used to travel for work. Um, and, one of my first uh, sites that I had to go visit was in Durango, Colorado. In the it was, I believe, December nineteenth. So it's like crazy cold out. We ended up getting into the natural hot springs. It was nice. so awesome, but you reek of rotten eggs, and I could not get that smell off me—that sulfur smell—for yeah, like two that. weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. It was horrible. It was but horrible. worth it in the moment. Oh, totally. Totally. Would you do it again? I guess. Oh, absolutely. But knowing, yeah. knowing it, I'd bring, a, I'd actually bring like a bathing suit and a change of clothes, Yeah. you know, cause I was, I was basically like, you know, I'm a big guy. I still, I, I don't feel like, you know, giving, showing everybody, uh, having to pixelate my top with my, my heavy <laughs> chest. So I was like, ah, I'm going to keep my shirt on for this. And it was just a t-shirt, but it was, it was still, I threw it in the washer when I got back to the the hotel throw away like, the washer yeah i was like hey guys just you know what are you going to charge me on my hotel bill for replacing the washer because look what happened but uh no it's it's i love i love like it's it's like a hot tub like the, the hot tub i like it in, in in liquid form and in gaseous form i don't do as well within uh the powder form like i i have the worst worst balance of anybody you'll ever ever meet so like for me to try to ski or snowboard I've gone officially one time. We went up to um, North Conway, New Hampshire with some friends mm -hmm. and I sat my ass on a tube and just, just sat on that tube and went downhill. And that was all I did for like four hours that day. Cause that's, that's all fun. I could do. It's that's super fun. fun. It's super great. fun. Yeah. <clears throat> and we just drank a lot. We had, we rented a cabin and got a little tipsy. That's really the whole point of these trips, isn't it? You know, well, get together with friends, you know, and then the activity is just the excuse, the golf, the snowboarding, the skiing, it's all just an excuse to gather with people that you don't see. Often. See, my problem is, and it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like you don't see a lot of me in any like social media, like settings or postings because I'm the one behind the camera. I like to record and document everything because mm -hmm. 
God forbid, you know, something happens or you're trying to relive a memory. It's like, you know, I, I ended up, uh, you know, I don't want to get too deep on this, but my grandmother recently passed away and I put up a, a video of, cause I used to record like every Thanksgiving, every, when she when we would visit, we'd have a family thing. And I put this video together that while my, you know, father and his sisters are all kind of going through it in mourning and, you know, all the grandchildren are mourning. Like this is something, a happy memory, if you will. You know what Absolutely. I mean? So I do a lot of that too. So it's, it's kind of weird, but uh, to get back to you. So uh, I should, I should mention, cause I didn't really introduce you. Um, do you want to go by Dan? Do you want to go by Daniel, Danny? What, what is your preference, sir? My preference is Dan. Dan. All right. Short so and sweet. Dan, Dan Sullivan. Or do you want to go by Dan Sully? Do you prefer that? <clears throat> Sullivan is fine. Sullivan. Okay. I don't want to, you know, again, we work for the same company. I don't want to be getting in trouble for you. Like all of a sudden I'm getting the shit end of the stick with all these like odd jobs where it's like, Hey, look, Dan, Dan really thinks you're the guy for this because (laughs) it'll be great. It'll be great. It would be good revenge if you say anything wrong. That's why. uh, So this is like the first interview of somebody that I currently work with all of my previous with the exception of Casey, all the other interviews on my aimless conversation were former coworkers who I don't work for that company anymore, so I can't get in trouble. This is the first time that I can, in theory, get in trouble if I put my foot in my mouth. So I'm yeah. gonna walk a little bit on eggshells real quick. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to have you on um, again. Initial like thought of you, like you've been uh, a co, uh, we've been coworkers or or workplace proximity associates, as they like to say, for a number of years now. And you have the reputation, which irks me to no end, (laughs) of being the funny guy. And I take umbrage at that wholeheartedly. But silver lining, I remember saying something uh, to you where you got like, it was almost like high school nominations or whatever they call superlatives. Superlatives, right. You got voted the most, uh, the funniest guy and I said something to you and you, you, you sent me a message back and said, for what it's worth, I think you're the funniest guy. And uh, I know you're a fan of The Office. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, when, uh, the only thing I could think of when I heard that was the episode of Dwight's speech, where Dwight gives such a good speech at that um, like sale, salesman convention. First salesman and, of the yeah, year. And, and Michael can't stand it and he walks out. But in Michael's mind, he makes Dwight laugh. So he's like, I just entertained the guy that entertained a thousand people. Yeah. You know? So that's what it makes me think of is like, all right, this dude's the funniest dude, but he thinks I'm the funniest dude. Then, then, you know, everybody else is wrong. and He's right. Like, oh, but uh, yeah, no, I wanted to have you on the show. Cause I think you're so fun. You have a ro- interesting, lots of interesting stories. Uh, I kind of talked about it too. I want to get your wife on here at some point. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll touch base offline about that because I don't want to take up interview time with that. But I think it'd be kind of fun just to like talk because your wife also used to work for the company, but you guys didn't work at the same time. No. She yeah. left the company and you came in a bit later, which was <laughs> it's kind of fun because you still have our, we have a little bit of a turnover sometimes and you have the stalwart people that are still there that remember her. And then you have a bunch of new people that are like, oh, we only know Dan, we don't know Jess. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's super fun because I've known both of you and I love not to get too sappy, but I love the back and forth. I love you two as a couple, because I think you play off each other so well, but uh, I want to focus more on you and then we'll focus on her. But I know there's some stuff you definitely want to talk about that, you know, it was your endeavor with her endeavor too. And absolutely interest, but we, we can get to that toward the end, but I want to, uh, 
you, you mentioned Cape Cod. So I want, I want to kind of point out that we are in southeastern or, or we're in Massachusetts. We're in New England, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're in Rhode Island. So we're, we're all in the New England area. Just Massachusetts. Line. Yeah. You're, you're just right over the line. I'm in the southeastern Massachusetts, right near the Rhode Island line. So you mentioned Cape Cod. So have you been here the, your entire life? So I grew up in Rhode Island. Um, and, and my parents had a beach house, a little cottage in Cape Cod. So I split my time between those two places growing up. I'd spend my summers in Cape Cod and my school year in Rhode Island. But other than that, these are the only places I lived. In fact, the house I moved into now about right before the pandemic is three streets away from my childhood home where my parents still live, you know? So I'm for sure a townie. Um, yeah, I, obviously I went off to college and I moved in with friends, but always stayed local in the Rhode Island area, Rhode Island Mass area. So, Well, that's cool. And, and, you know, a lot of people like, you know, you say that my parents are still there. I think that's awesome because God forbid, what if, you know, with the pandemic and the restrictions and whatnot lifting up, like, what if you want to go on vacation? Like, oh, I have somebody that can watch the house for me. Not that Absolutely. you want to kind of lean on them, but, you know, it's like, or, you know, if you want to visit, it's not like you have to, you know, book book plane tickets or whatever and uh, come visit and then stay with them it's like hey we can go we can catch up whatever go grab lunch go grab dinner and then i'm still in my own place i don't have to visit and then stay over there with you guys exactly yeah i mean i have you know i have three older sisters and an older brother and aside from myself and my sister who lives in boston everybody else is scattered so i have two other sisters on the west coast i have a brother in new york city and so um, even when the pandemic hit, you know, obviously with Zoom and, and these kind of interactions that, you know, it was still pretty easy to keep in touch, but I was able to just walk over to my parents' house, you know, and sit out on the deck and chat with them and see them. And so um, there's certainly a lot to be said for sticking around um, and stay, obviously, you know, you can go out and adventure and that's what my sisters have done and it's serving them very well. Um but it's cool. I, I think what's what's really cool about it is that oftentimes as we grow up, you know, when we're children, <clears throat> it's easy to have at least a somewhat tenuous relationship with your parents, you know, because they're the authority figures. They're the ones making the rules. And I don't know if you were like me, but I didn't like rules all that much. And uh, and I was just trying to have fun like any kid would. And, you know, my parents were on that grind of keeping me on the right path, pushing me in the right direction. And I kind of took umbrage to that. But now that I'm on my own, I have a job, I have a wife, I have a house, you know, it, the dynamic of the relationship changes so much where I can just go and pal around with my dad. Um, and even just today, I went for a run and he was out in the yard and, you know, we just stopped and chatted. We busted balls a little bit and then he was off, you know, and I get to see him and have those little interactions like that all the time. So very fortunate. Well, that's, that's kind of awesome. And I, to your point, I was the exact opposite of you. I was, you know, the, you know, jump and I'll say how high, like I was always wanted to like, I, I'm, I'm the oldest. I have a younger sister. So that's what I was going to ask you. Are you the youngest? You said you have uh, an older brother and three sisters. So the, are you the youngest of five? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's so, a big thing too. My <clears throat> sister, my oldest sister she's like mom junior you know she was like you where she was always on the straight and narrow uh always on the straight and narrow and got you know anything done that was asked of her etc 
Um, so it certainly has to do with that kind of hierarchy of oldest to youngest. I find whenever I meet somebody else who's the youngest, even if it's the youngest of three, they generally got away with a little bit more. The rules around the house were a little bit more lax um, and kind of pushed the boundaries a little more for those rules too. So, uh, And I absolutely agree with that. I actually also have a... Um a theory, I guess, for lack of a better term that, yeah, the, the youngest gets away with a lot more. The, the oldest is usually the most responsible. And then I also have a, a way of thinking, and this is, I haven't put this into practice yet, but everybody I know who's the youngest of the siblings, I think tends to be the more attractive of the two or three or four. Like the youngest is always the most attractive. It's like, the, you're the last one in the gene pool. You have to like be <laughs> the best looking to carry on like so it's the same thing my sister is very very beautiful you know uh so I, she's definitely the better looking one out of the two of us would you agree with that do you think of all the siblings i'm not to make yourself into a narcissist yeah see it's that's tough for me to answer that question but it, it is it's really tough because i do have um a really good looking family you know my brother's a handsome guy all three of my sisters are beautiful um and my mom is gorgeous you know she's in her 60s now and she's just looks great um my dad's a nerd but you know that's what dads are dads are awesome dad like i'm i'm so i'm i'm king of the dad joke so for those that don't know like <laughs> yes you are oh man i'll i'll be sitting there and the thought will pop in my head and i have no filter between brain to mouth or brain to fingers when i'm typing something up in a, a chat window or an email i'm just whatever say there's no filter so sometimes that works to my benefit because I can be quick and, and, and on the ball or other times it's just like, dude, that made no sense. You're an idiot. What are you like? So I'll, I'll, I'll send you stuff in chat. When, like we'll be on like a group meeting or something and I'll send you a, a message in a chat and then, you know, you're busy. So you'll look at it like 20 minutes later and I'm like, he's not going to get the reference now because what I, when I chatted him, it was directly to something that somebody just said. And I'm just like, well, now I'd, then he'll be reading that and he'll be like, blue light special at Kmart. that what happens so much where i'm like oh that was from 20 minutes ago like, totally over my head and I'll yeah just, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah so it, it happens i just i just think it's fun but uh yeah i i love the, the 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 idea that you live close to your parents just because even having that good relationship with them to your point as far as being like irresponsible and getting away with it i think not to get too philosophical here, but I think that would help you in the long run. Now that not saying you weren't responsible back then, but now that you have all these other things in your life, it's, it, you don't have to look back and be like, Oh, I feel like, uh, you know, I've been repressed or I haven't done certain things that I wanted right. to when I was younger. Uh, you know, you got, you got a chance to make some trouble. Now you're on the, like you said, the straight and arrow or as the straight and narrow uh, as it were. But yeah, you're, you're kind of like, you know, now you're an adult and you got not saying that you still don't have fun and you can't still, you know, be a little irresponsible sometimes, but you also like put it into perspective, like, Hey, I have a mortgage. I have, you know, a, a wife, I have somebody else that I'm building a life with. It's, it can't be always about me and what I want to do all the time either. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're kind of forced into a certain level of responsibility. Um, and then again, from you know, the perspective of my dad, who was always, you know, up my ass about this or that, um, his main, you know, in his mind, he owned a bit, he ran a small uh, business and 
his other job was making sure I ended up okay, you know, and, um, and I could see like a marked change in his behavior and, and how he held himself and just his overall stress level when, you know, like I finally finished school and, you know, Jess and I got married and I got, you know, a good job and I was solid. Um, it was like he, okay, he like checked that off his list. Like, okay, Dan is good to go. I don't need to worry myself over him. He's going to make his own decisions. He's going to make mistakes now and, and here and again, but they're informed. I've done all that I can. And it was like, that was almost, you know, the same as when he retired and he sold his business, you know, or it was just like, boom, I'm done. You know, I can just start looking towards, you know, his grandkids that are coming around and things like that. So um, I'm, I'm always interested in just kind of observing those little intricacies of life, you know, and especially perspectives. I feel like I use that word all the time um, because I think it's an important uh, it's an important part of life is to view things through different perspectives. And I think it's something that's certainly lacking in, in a lot of uh, interactions today. Uh, it's very easy to get narcissistic and fall into that. How does this affect me? Well, that must be the most important aspect of whatever I'm dealing with, you know? So, so it's a gift and a curse for me, but I, I will say lucky for you, sir, the, uh, the acronym, the Mac pod, my aimless conversation, the pod acronym stands for uh, perspectives, opinions, and discussions. So that's, nice. that's the Mac pod right there. So that's, that's perfect that you said that. And I'm glad I didn't prompt you for that, but uh, yeah, I agree. Like that was always like a, a gift and a curse. It's a double-edged sword for me because every relationship that I've been in a uh, romantic relationship, my, one of my exes actually said to me, I'm breaking up with you because or one of the reasons I'm breaking up with you is because we never argue. And to me, again, I was, I was younger, so it's different, but I've always not to toot my own horn, but I've always been able to take a situation and say, well, this is how I feel on something. Mm -hmm. Let me try to understand where you're coming from. So rather than necessarily argue my point, I almost like take their side, like, Oh, I can understand that. I can understand your perspective on something. I can put myself in your shoes Instead of just, you know, me being like, no, I'm right. And this is why I'm mad. Where it's a little more like, yeah, I'm right. And this is how I feel about it. But I can understand and respect the way you do too. You know, and I just, I think that's interesting because I think, yeah, we could get a lot more done not to get too deep into stuff, but even as a country, as a world, you know, John Lennon style, you know, imagine, imagine all the people, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we could just kind of like get on the same page. Like you don't have, we don't have to agree on everything. Like you and I don't agree on everything. We still get along just well, well enough, you know, like we don't hate each other. We're yeah. not calling each other names to my knowledge. I don't know what you send as emails out for reviews and stuff like that when you have to, <laughs> but I mean, I'm it's not privy PG. to that. It's all very PG. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, um, you know, now, especially we all need to, to kind of reevaluate our perspectives on things. I feel like, where this powder keg at a, you know, from a national perspective, um, a powder keg of just emotions and vitriol and, and everything is driven by social media, which is inherently flawed as a communication device, you know? Um, so, uh, I think, yeah, I think walking a mile in somebody else's shoes couldn't be more important, uh, day to day. And I like, and I think you and I have a lot of similarities in that we just, 
enjoy talking to people case in point this podcast um you know like you started this just so you could have interesting conversations with interesting people and there's some people that that's not enough you know or that's not where they are i should say because people are always growing people are always changing people are always learning but um there's a lot of people where you talk to and they're very clearly um they're talking to you so they can talk about what they want to talk about and what you say is kind of ancillary you know where it's it's like somebody will come up to you and say oh did you see the new marvel movie they're not interested in why i didn't see the movie they asked me that because they have an opinion about it they want to tell me about it you know um which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but to be aware of that allows you to be more of an active listener to understand where that conversation is coming from and you know it's it's the same as somebody comes up to you and they say oh i've had a bad day you know and you say me too listen to how bad it was it's like that's not what they needed or what they were looking for you know and so to be kind of privy to that information is, is definitely a benefit well it's interesting the two two things i want to pick up on that you talked there you talked about social media and i've said numerous times already and even in on this show previously I think social media is like any other tool. You know, I can use a hammer if I'm building something great, but if I decide to go attack somebody with it, you know, it's not necessarily what it's designed for, but it, it suits that purpose. You know, same thing with anything else. A gun would be great for defending yourself or hunting or whatever, but in the hands of somebody who's looking to hurt somebody or do damage, it's a tool for evil. And it's the same thing with social media. I, I mentioned, I think uh, during the Boston Marathon bombing, I think that. They were able to, the, you know, the police and the authorities were able to find the bombers a lot quicker because of social media. You know, you, that's being used in a positive light, but it also the negative of that, it gives everybody a voice. And while everybody's entitled to their opinion, not everybody necessarily has the correct information when they're voicing their opinion. And I'll just leave it at that. They, they don't, you know, but to your point, um, one of the other things I love in speaking of like talking with people and whatnot and not to sound narcissistic, but it's, I'm going to kind of bring it back on me, but I think it applies to everyone. I think I can learn so much more about my own viewpoints and my own opinions on things by talking to other people and listening to their opinions and their perspectives, because I, again, I might not agree with it, but it could also be a way like, you know, I've never looked at it that way before, or now I kind of understand the direction you're coming from. I still don't agree with it, but I can understand it a little bit better. So now I can kind of like pivot the way maybe I'm explaining things or the way I handle myself, knowing that you're coming from that direction as opposed to, you know, just adversarial, where instead of we're butting heads, you're coming from, and people at home listening to this can't see my hand movements, but I'm doing a straight up butting heads <laughs> versus from the side. very vulgar gesture. Urgh, urgh, double, <laughs> double bird. I just shot you the double bird because I don't like you. Uh, no, it's, but I, I agree with that. I think it's fun. And yeah, I, I created this podcast more because I want to get better at interviewing. I want to get better at conversing because who knows, maybe there'll be a side gig one day where I can work for like a radio station or maybe hell, maybe I'll be able to like interview people like professionally at some point and just, yeah, you know, why not? Like, I think it's fun. In the meantime, I, I, in the meantime it's just fun. You know, you know, and, um, I, get I think the skill there's set. a, I think what's cool about podcasting is that there's of course that avenue for <clears throat> for growth and things like uh, you know, like you're saying practicing just interviewing skills you know conversational skills and just kind of introducing yourself to the whole format of podcasts I know you've been doing it for quite a while but just anybody able to jump in and and 
and use this for whatever they want. And, um, and I think like, it's awesome that there's millions of podcasts out there that are probably being listened to by four people, you know, five people, but there's somebody just putting stuff out there that they're interested in and they have this outlet. For example, my, uh, my wife, Jess, who I will, she'll be referred to going forward. Um, she works part-time uh, for a friend of hers who owns a uh, little coffee shop, right? Uh, 10 minutes down the road from our house. Um, and this guy came in, this older gentleman, and uh, he came up, he ordered a coffee and he was just being a little chatty. And he said, oh, you know what? I'd like to uh, go around and try different coffee from all over the state because I have a podcast. And it was like, the, she kind of relayed the story to me, but it just smacked of somebody just being like, hey, I'm retired now. I don't really have much to do. Like, I'll start a podcast. It'll be a coffee, you know, coffee rating podcast around Rhode Island. And it's just such a cool idea that anybody can just do that. And for whatever purpose, it doesn't matter. You know, like, uh, it's the same as, um, you know, it's the same idea as home videos. You're just capturing something that maybe you're the only person who's going to appreciate that in 20 years, but it still exists and you still did it. Good for you, you know? Well, um, yeah, I'm not I agree. at all talking about you, by the way. Yeah, I just, so you, you're talking about the four four listeners that I have. So thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> I, and I love every single one of you. Don't don't get it twisted. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. I th I think it's fun because one, this also kind of um, works as a creative outlet for me, where you know my I don't want to say my only two passions, but I like to think I'm a creative person, whether it be writing, whether it be video, whether it be audio, I enjoy all that. I actually, one of my best friends and I used to do a, a weekly, um, we used to call it weekend wrap up. I don't want to say too much because there might still be some, some pieces of it on YouTube, but I took them all down for some other personal reasons on his end. But we used to just improv every Sunday night. We'd sit down on, on this couch that I'm sitting on right now and we turned the camera on. We'd shoot the shit for like 40 minutes and then like edit that down to like a six minute video of just all improv, stupid stuff that we would do. And it had like, you know, a small following of maybe like a hundred viewers a week or whatever, but it was super fun, you know, and it, you get to, it's like, it's almost like exercising a muscle, right? Like exactly. you have, you know, people that go to the gym, they want to get buff or even they just want to be fit, you know, which, you know, I'm kind of getting into and that'll be a great segue. Oh my God, that's such a great segue, but I'm going to put a pin in that for now. But I want to talk about uh, yeah, that, just the creative aspect of it. It's just if you have that itch and, and not, not that we don't have creativity in what we do for a day-to-day -day job. I mean, there's some of that there, but it's, it's also very regimented. Yeah, it's within, it's, you know, you, it's tunnel vision with stuff. So for us, you know, for me, where I like to do video editing, where I like to do uh, audio editing, I like to talk, I like to be personable. I, I like to just, you know, kind of rub elbows with people. I think this kind of like, uh, I guess satiates satiates that need, if you will, for for that creativity. Um, I still do like tons of geeky, stupid stuff. Like I write, I have a group that I play Dungeons and Dragons with, and I write adventures. I write backstories. I do like all, that's all just creative on the writing side and and trying to be fun. But it's also, again, I like the social aspect of this more. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So, and then, and like you said, into the pandemic where, or just anybody, technology, another tool, if you will, 
anybody with with the you know a computer or or like zoom is free people can record themselves you know there's free audio software you can get a, a mic a usb mic everybody's got a cell phone you know right. everybody's got a smartphone that's got a decent enough camera you can right. and then the, there's apps obviously that are specifically made for that you know tiktok and instagram you could do snapchat like whatever before that there was the vine videos and those kind of things <clears throat> um, don't, don't forget I, tout don't forget tout i don't even know what tout is and neither do neither does anybody else but it was around for a cup of coffee um but you had a phrase in there that i love and you said it's like flexing a muscle and that's um and you said segue, perfect segue into uh, one of the things that we talked about, maybe bringing up. Um, but when Jess and I were um, in the tiny house and doing the whole tiny house thing, which I'm happy to get into in a second, but we, um, Jess actually wrote a piece that ended up getting put into a book about tiny houses. Um, and so that was her being published and stuff. And so that was, that was really big. And so because, and then, uh, a couple other books featured our home and a little description of us, a little bio of us, uh, you know, different books saying, you know, tiny houses for cheap. One of them was, uh, tiny houses with reused materials. Cause we did strive to use as many recycled materials as we could. Um, but we were invited down to the tiny house festival in Asheville, Tennessee, uh, no Asheville, uh, North Carolina, sorry. And, um, we were on a book panel because again, we're featured in the book. And I had always thought of myself up until the tiny house as somebody who was not creative. Oh, I didn't get that creative bone. I don't have that in my DNA. It's not part of me inherently. Um, and I think that, that this is kind of a tangent, but I think that that's something that is very dangerous for young people uh, to think that there's some things you are and some things you aren't. Uh, because I really do think that everything is like a muscle that you can flex. And I learned that while we were designing and building our tiny house from scratch and finding free materials or really cheap used materials and having to figure out cool and creative ways to use them. Um, and I remember a girl uh, had asked while we were doing the panel, she said, "What what is your advice to somebody who's just not creative at all and that was like kind of my opportunity to say like listen i was you i was you i had no idea just i had never been sitting down and thought let me draw a picture or let me paint something or let me do whatever um i never classified myself as that and then you know i've just working with the tiny house working alongside somebody who's creative which is jess who's insanely creative um all of that is going to help you find the areas in which you can be comfortably creative or maybe not so comfortably, which is really when you kind of have growth from a mental and emotional standpoint as a human being. So. Well, I want to, I want to talk about that, but first that wasn't the tangent I was going to offshoot. That wasn't the segue I was going to use, but that's perfectly fine. Um, <clears throat> no, no, I know you had a different segue. I know that's okay. We'll, we'll segue back into what I was thinking in a second. Cause we'll, we'll get back into the tiny house, but to your point about being creative though, I think it really boils down. And, and I, again, picking off something you said this time is, you know, you, you don't like having young, especially young people think they don't have something. And to me, it's not about not being creative. It's finding something that you're passionate about that will unlock that creativity. Absolutely. 
because to your point, like you said, oh, I can't, I can't draw, I can't do this, I can't do that. But if it's something, if it's a goal you want to achieve, like the tiny house or whatnot, and now you have it in your mind's eye, you envision it. Now it's like, okay, how can I envision it and and put it on to paper or put it into practice or whatever the case may be? Because same idea, like musicians, I think musicians are people that write their own songs or, or understand music and can play and create their or like you know i don't mind writing lyrics i'm not the best at it but you ask me to put like notes to like paper and come up with like a melody or, or, or a song or or some notes i can't do that i can't do that and i'm very envious of people that are musically inclined because i don't have a musical bone in my body but at the same time you know if it's something i really really wanted to do I know I would put that effort into at least be passable. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's a great example is music and you fell into the trap. You know, it's not that you're not musically inclined. It's just that music doesn't fall on that list of priorities for you where you're gonna put three hours a day into it. You know, those kids that we all went to high school with that were like in eighth grade playing Jimi Hendrix guitar solos. And you're just like, oh, my God, that guy's so talented. He's so talented. He's got so much talent. It's like, nah, he worked his ass off. You know, there's obviously some virtuosos and some prodigies that'll come through and they just they do have the brain to pick up any instrument in it and play it, you know, with proficiency. But the majority of people, they started lessons young and they wanted it bad enough to keep going to lessons you know i took piano lessons when i was young uh took them for about a year and a half two years when i was around like 11 12 years old hated it hated my teacher um she was mean it was very much like school it was a extracurricular activity that my parents signed me up for um and then just a few years ago just you know i i've been messing around with a keyboard i got at savers you know and just been like i used to be able to play this i'd kind of remember some of the songs i used to play and then jess got me lessons with somebody who was awesome and somebody who just like loved music and somebody who was willing to work through things at whatever pace i wanted um and to focus on things that i wanted and you know i'm a big jazz fan so i was like i really love the idea of playing jazz piano so we focused solely on that and went through scales Within two years, he had me writing a song, an original song for myself, right, and actually physically writing notes on the staffed pages of an actual music notebook. And I just remember being on a plane for work, and I'm like doing an assignment he gave me where I'm writing stuff out. And somebody next to me, they like looked over and they were like, oh, you're a musician. And my first thought was like, no, no, I'm not a musician. And I was like, wait, fuck, am I a musician? Like what are the, you know, what are the barriers to entry? I mean, like, I know how to read music. I apparently know how to write music. Like, obviously I'm not a good musician, but not a professional, of course, you know, like, um, and so I, that's what I want to caution people against. I don't want people to think that like, Oh, I'm not, I'm just not built for that. You know, I'm just not built for that when it comes to, you know, uh, obviously if you're four and a half feet tall, sorry, you're not going to the NBA, but um, you know, if you think, oh man, I wish I could draw, take an art class, you know, if somebody, if you'll, you'd be amazed at what somebody is able to teach you if you find the right person. So. Well, that's what I was going to say too. Like, I think it's, I think it's two, a two-parter one, unless you're self-taught and you have that discipline, but two, I think it's also who you have as an instructor. 
uh, case in point, um, before college, before going into college, I was always really good at math. I loved math. I loved algebra, algebra two, all this fun stuff. So my parents to kind of tie it back to what we talked about before, specifically my father, you know, said, Oh, you know, accountants make really, really good money. So when I, I started taking business administration at a community college, when I graduated high school, I went to college and I took an accounting class and the professor who was, who I happened to be going to his class basically gave us our workbook said, here's all the problems I want you to work on. And then I'll put the answer on the, you know, transparent, the overhead projector. Right. That was the majority of like, that was like two and a half months worth of that class. I hated it. It didn't make it interesting to me. It's not like teach me about this. And, and, you know, oddly enough, I work with like financial stuff now without giving too much away, but I just think it's funny that I'm like, I, Oh, debits and credits and liabilities. Like I didn't learn any about that. It's all like, balance the sheet, balance the sheet, balance the sheet. Oh, here's what you did wrong. Like nothing, never teaching us conceptually how it would work in a real world example. He was just biding his time, passing the time. He'd give us this thing. We'd work for like, I think classes were like 50 minutes. So it was like we, the first like 40 minutes, we'd just be working on this. He'd be asleep at the overhead projector yeah. projector, and then just like wake up with like 10 minutes left of class and give us the answers. Like, again, not for nothing, but that totally killed any type of passion I had for math at that point, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I mean, it's, I think it's the same thing. So music, I'm glad, at least in this case, like you, and you're going to have to play this for me, not on, on air, obviously, or not on the podcast, but I'm going to want to hear that original song. I'm just very, very happy. I'm very happy that it worked out for you and you refound that passion uh, to writing music. Next barbecue I have, which will be soon. Okay, perfect. segue i wanted to do we were talking about flexing a muscle and i want to bring up you and jess and how you and jess met and oh, you're that like that is a good segue yeah this is like you know all the stuff that you're doing and then you you have i believe i've seen her on instagram hashtag fit couple is what i think she's been <laughs> posting so yeah. so i want to i want to talk yeah, about that first of all lie, by the way I well i uh, trust me you you look you look jacked man you you look you look like you're you're a fit dude but I want to I want to first before we talk about Jess and all her fitness endeavors and some of the stuff that she did because I I do want to talk about nutrition I want to talk about you know being gluten uh, uh, an intolerant and whatnot or gluten sensitivity type meals because we want to talk about some of that too um, and I know like the whole vegan talk and whatnot so I want to before we get into all of that for nutrition and exercise uh, you know Jess you and Jess like I said uh, Jess and I used to work together before she left the company. And then you started a couple of years after she had left. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, overlap there, but I want to just figure out how did first, how were you introduced to Jess? Um, and I want to ask about like a funny story on one of your first dates. Cause I think wow. when I interview her, I'm going to ask the same stuff and see what her recollection would be. Um, so we'll start with that and then we'll <coughs> segue into, uh, you know, the, the whole physical aspect of it, the nutritional aspect. And then we'll talk about the tiny house too, because, Jess, Jess is a character. I love her to death. I think she is so creative. Uh, we actually worked on a project together, a mosaic project that didn't get picked up by the higher ups because I'll keep that to myself. I don't want to get in trouble because I think some of them still work there, but yeah. it got like poo pooed on when she presented this idea and I thought it was so brilliant, but we'll, we'll talk about that offline. But yeah. How did you meet her? Give us an interesting story from one of your dates and then yeah, just go from there. So Jess and I met at a, at a bar. It's actually, it's kind of a convoluted story. So Jess 
Jess and I met and started dating because we met at a bar in Providence. Um, it was the Whiskey Republic. I didn't want to be there. I was going through some health issues uh, with ulcerative colitis, <clears throat> and I didn't really know how to handle them, um, except that I was told, you know, being gluten-free, my mom did a lot of research, apparently being gluten-free would be helpful. So I went gluten-free, but as a 20-year-old, 22-year-old um, idiot dude who goes gluten-free, I just stopped eating bread, stopped eating pasta. So I was eating like just a lot of lunch meat and, you know, like rolled up, like, oh, it's like a sandwich, but no bread. Um, I was just eating like garbage and, uh, and it was, and I, and I didn't like my job. I hadn't finished school yet. I was kind of in this pit of, um, just, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the, uh, like a pit of unknown. Like I didn't know what was coming next and what was my next step and where was all this going to end up. And then I was at a bar, uh, drinking a Magners because it's gluten-free and, um, she just like walks up and she just goes, uh, why are you drinking Magners? And I just heard a girl's voice. I didn't see her yet. And I'm just like looking and I just got this like, ugh, like I've got to explain to somebody new that what gluten free is or whatever. And so I turn, I see this beautiful redhead and, uh, I was like, I'm gluten free. And she goes, Oh, me too. And I was like, Oh, and so then we just started chatting and the kind of rest was history. But, What's interesting is we had met a few years prior to that. I was dating uh, somebody else and she was dating a friend of mine. Um, and we were filming a, a, a commercial for our buddy, Nate, who's a very, uh, Nate Milton, check him out. He's an unbelievable cartoonist, uh, currently uh, working out at NYC, I think. But talk about creativity. This dude's one of the funniest, most creative guys on the planet. He's done some incredible work. So definitely go see Nate Milton, uh, go check out Nate Milton's work. I think he has a website, natemilton.com. But anyway, so he was entering a, a commercial into a contest for Pepsi, uh, where they were just taking filmmakers commercial entries for this idea or whatever. And so he had us all dressed in red jumpsuits and me and my friend who Jess was dating at the time. And I was with this girl that didn't work out uh, but like we both remember that day because like I saw her and she saw me and we kind of had like uh, I was just like who's the cute girl oh that's so-and-so's significant other or whatever and so we both remember that day and it's kind of an interesting uh, fun little kind of serendipitous moment because we ended up being together years later um, so that's how Jess and I met and we honestly, we started dating and we just clicked super fast. And it was just very clear to me right away, you know, all the cliche bullshit where it's like, um, I just knew there's something different, you know, there's something I had dated other girls and I had been at the point with other girls where I thought I could marry this girl. And then within like two weeks of hanging out with Jess, I was like, no, none of that was real. I like, this is this is the real thing. And so we moved kind of quick. I remember we went on a trip to Puerto Rico together because uh, she had already booked it for her and her sister. And so we went on like a, a week long vacation in Puerto Rico together for, um, I don't know, we were maybe like three months into the relationship. And then we moved in in less than a year and got married in less than a year after that. Um, and we're building the tiny house the whole time too. So we just kind of like jumped into it because we both realized we found our person. So 
I just, I love that though, because I love the fact that, and I'm not, I'm not big on talking about fate and, and whatnot. Like I, I actually wrote talking about writing. I actually, I occasionally still do, but I used to write a blog and I actually wrote this whole thing about fate where people just say like everything up, like every, I leave everything up to fate and fate does. I think, I think it's a bunch of bullshit. I think fate, if there's anything such as fate, it puts you in a position or a scenario, but then it's all, you know, up to you. You make, you make everything happen. You're your own. So I just like, I love the fact that you're like, Oh, I didn't want to be at this bar. I was going through some stuff and I turn around and boom, like if you didn't go to that bar that night, you know, you wouldn't have had that chance encounter, but then from there you made everything happen. You guys clicked together. And it's funny you mentioned, and I always mispronounce this incorrectly. Uh, ulcerative colitis. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Ulcerative colitis. Yeah. Ulcerative. So my friend Jackie Robbins, who I'm trying to get on the podcast, just wrote a book. She had her colon removed when she was 17 years old mm. and she suffers from that. She talks all about that. So I want to have her on the show to like to just to catch up with her and talk about that and promote her book i'll, I'll talk to you offline about it because i don't want to you know spo spoiler alert and tell it now without having her on the show right. i want her to promote it but um absolutely yeah I, I think that's really really cool so you know and jess is uh and i don't mean this in a negative way and in, in any slight whatsoever she's has a very unique personality she's a different type of female absolutely. than you she's 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 a unicorn, if you will. Like, I don't know Absolutely. if she, and I think, I think I love her to death. I think she's great. And like, you know, getting to know you obviously over the last couple of years, like I see the way you two fit together and it's like two pieces of a puzzle just fit perfectly. And I, I absolutely love that. And I, I think if, you know, two people meeting each other, you just guys just work out so well. And I absolutely love that. But yeah, you were mentioning you were building a tiny house with that. So Jess has had a couple of endeavors, which I want to get into too, but I want to talk about the tiny house real quick because we kind of alluded to it a little earlier, but let's talk about, so you, you're obviously not living in the tiny house. Now you've upgraded to a Correct. not so tiny house, but what was the thought of the tiny house? What, where did that idea came, come from? And then how did it get, how did you get the ball rolling and what eventually happened with that? Because in my mind, living in a, such an enclosed space, even if it's somebody that I love dearly, like, I'd be like, I have no space to myself. I have to walk outside to get space, you know? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I totally, I totally uh, can't empathize with that thought process. Um, so the tiny house that, that came about, and I won't go too deep into this part of it because I'm sure Jess will talk about it when she comes, when she inevitably does that episode. But uh, Jess was married before, uh, before she and I got together. And when we met, she was actually just kind of, uh, kind of just putting that i mean I, I don't even want to say she was putting it behind her it was still very much affecting her as is definitely understandable um but she had a house with this person and it was just like they they bought it they thought it needed this much work it really was a, essentially a complete tear down and they got halfway through the work they were doing when they realized that so they just had to go through and it was just a long arduous process and in that process you know when you're going through something that's kind of tumultuous uh that's when you really see somebody's true colors you know and i think that she just there were situations that they were going through and um, that's what was the catalyst to them kind of drifting apart and, and realizing that that relationship wasn't going to work. Um, but a big part of 
you know, they bought the house and then it was like money, 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 money. We need money to fix this. We need money to build, put this, put this in and we need money to pay the bills and we need money for this. And she was so scarred by that, um, that she wanted to find an option that wasn't tied to a mortgage or wasn't tied to just dumping a bunch of money into something. Like she wanted to find something that was sustainable and that didn't tie her to something that she didn't want to do or, you know, so she, it was very much uh, her idea, 100% her idea, um, her kind of creative power behind it and her ambition. She's one of the most ambitious people um, anybody ever has the pleasure to meet as you know jeff you've met her um but uh she so she had this idea and she kind of asked tentatively if i was on board and um i'll let her tell a story of how on board i was at the beginning uh, i liked the idea of the tiny house but the conversations leading up to that were interesting um but she just you know she was like hey look at this youtube video look at this look at that look at this information and we started kind of digging into what the likelihood of us actually doing it was and um, some things we just had to nail down. And, and one of the things we really liked was that we could build it piecemeal over a few months. Uh, we wouldn't need a mortgage. We wouldn't be paying property taxes because we built it on a flatbed trailer. So that's kind of your civil, civil disobedience workaround of the law. Um, but it, it was something that we really bonded over. Um, we designed it all ourselves. And then we spent a year just traveling all over New England, gathering materials for the cheapest we could find. <clears throat> Some of the highlights probably being, uh, we found a barn that was raised, uh, that was built in uh, 1776. And there was a company that had, or a person who bought the house or bought the land that this rickety old falling down barn was on and they were just like hey come on in and take it if you want it and so we came we just deconstructed it took as much wood as we could i used to drive a little ford ranger we packed that thing till it was dragging its ass down the highway um and we drove it all back and um we got to use just amazing old and just memory filled materials to build this thing um, and we built it exactly as we wanted and it was amazing we and we ended up building this it was 128 square feet which is eight feet wide by 16 feet long and it was 10 feet tall um so about half the size of a college dorm room <laughs> and uh and it had no plumbing whatsoever uh had uh, a composting toilet which was really essentially just a human litter box uh <laughs> for lack of a better word um but it was, the process was amazing. The process was absolutely amazing because it was something that we did together. We solved problems together. We figured things out together. Um, and we learned a lot about each other in that process. You know, uh, just how, do, how does, how do each other um, kind of handle adversity? Like, uh, okay, we've run out of materials or we're running out of daylight or it's starting to rain and we have all of this stuff uncovered. How are we going to deal with that? How are we going to make this happen? Or we've been working all day. One of the, this actually happened once where we worked all day to install this big bay window and the neighbor uh, from where we were building it was a contractor. He came over and he said, I hate to tell you this guys, but you did that wrong. 
and he explained to us why it was wrong and why we really needed to fix it. And then it was about 10 hours of work that day that we just had to undo and redo. And I remember we both were just so disappointed and so mad, but like it didn't affect how we interacted with each other. It was just like, we were both on the same team, just upset that we've got to do this, but it had nothing to do. Like we didn't lash out or anything. It was just like, all right, let's, you know, grab our bootstraps and get this done. So all of that kind of just goes into just the amazing time period that was for us. But it's also the antithesis of what she'd gone through previously. Exactly. Where it's just, it's to you, like, again, that's how well you fit together just because it's like, okay, you have, rather than fighting about it, you're, even if you disagree, constructive criticism, let's, let's each get our viewpoint in. Same thing like we talked about earlier about being perspective, even if you don't agree with what you need to do, it's like, oh, okay, I understand that I didn't look at it from that perspective before, or from that side or, or from that direction. So let's, let's put our heads and find the most constructive way to, to handle it. And that's as cliche as it sounds, that's teamwork. And if you go into that relationship or marriage or what have you as a team, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, it's not pointing fingers at each other. It's recognizing, oh, this is not going to work out. Let's find a way to do this together that we can solve this problem. Absolutely. And And then the living in the tiny house too, was just such an informative and just unbelievable adventure. Um, And one of the things that, you know, people always ask uh, when we, we used to go around and we tour, we talk about our tiny house. At the time, we were one of the very few couples that lived in a tiny house. There was a lot of people that were solo living in tiny houses. And so people were interested in the dynamic of two adults living in 128 square feet and not murdering each other. Um, and the truth of the matter is, and this was kind of not so fun for uh, some of our audiences to hear at the different talks that we did, things like that, but we didn't fight a lot. And I think a big part of that was the fact that if you're feeling, you know, upset about something, if you've got something on your mind, it does no good to anybody to hold it in. And there's, it's not like you can go in the other room and just read a book it, you're in this you're in the room the room that exists this is it um and so you you're forced to talk things out you're forced to say look this annoyed me here's why it annoyed me and the answer to something like that was often oh my god a i didn't mean it that way second of all i didn't even know you were annoyed so i i apologize whatever you know and it's i think there's so many interactions person to person day to day where it's just a miscommunication, you know, and just three seconds of trying to get to the bottom of why you're feeling, or even just expressing what you're feeling could quell a lot of issues, you know, but say that. That's, that's awesome. Well, obviously, uh, you know, you did the tiny house thing for a while. Now you're living in an awesome place where you hold barbecues that I'm invited to, which is excellent. Um, and very quickly, I know we're, we're kind of running low on time here. But I want to uh, talk about, first of all, if you want to go check out uh, the tiny blog, you guys did a tiny house blog, correct? If I'm, yeah. I'm so Jess, about checking my notes. So Jess, actually, yeah, she blogged the entire process. Uh, so there's a detailed. It's uh, living, kind of, living in a tiny house dot blogspot dot com. 
Exactly. So yeah. I want to just I want to just plug that. We'll plug it all at the end too. But I just want to make sure that if you want to read about it, all the trials and tribulations, because I believe you guys, I think even Yahoo picked it up or something at one point. Because I remember sitting yeah. at work and you know we the first half an hour of my day is usually browsing the web and answering emails and stuff. And I remember somebody saying, "Oh my God, you know, Jess, Jess has a, a Jess got picked up on, on Yahoo." And you go on Yahoo, and it's like there's there's a little article and a link out to to what you two were doing. And that's the first time I met you or heard about you before actually meeting you, which is how yeah. our story started. Um, yeah, but. there's fun. That's that's funny um, that you bring that up. That was one of our first um, interactions with the media about that. Um, we had, and we got picked up in the Valley Breeze, which is a local free newspaper around here. Uh, so it's very small stuff. And I, and as I said, we're in a couple of books or a couple of you know magazines about tiny houses. But uh, that one, we got contacted by somebody on like a Wednesday night and they were, tr they were just like, hey, we saw you living at a tiny house and they just sent us a bunch of questions and we were like so flattered and excited. We we're like, Yahoo, oh my God. And so we got all this time into crafting all of this just very thoughtful response and ideas and um, you know, just like why we went into it and telling our story. And then she just wrote this garbage article uh, where in it she said that we don't use toilet paper, which is a lie. Like she, they just sensationalized it, to, and they really made us look like kooks. And they and, truncated. And they probably truncated all the, the the stuff you filled out. Yeah, everything they made us look like crazy people. And then the comments under that were insane. Like one guy, like there was. I remember I read three comments, all negative, and I was like, "This is why people don't read comments." And I just never looked at it again. But um, it's just, it's just funny. It's. It's one of those things where it, it's it's infuriating, but now it's funny. Well, it's it's now you know what it's like to be a celebrity where you do something exactly. and it gets scrutinized to the nth degree. But uh, yeah, so other than the tiny house blog, I want to talk about a couple other things. Um, you have uh, Jess also, and we can, we can talk. I'll talk a little bit more when she comes on. But she's doing like the personal training thing, right? So I see tons of stuff on on Snapchat with her doing like personal training, and you guys are living. Uh, a very healthy lifestyle. I know she, she did, she had a bakery for a little bit. Um, yep. and now, now it turned itself into a cookbook, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she so. had the bakery, uh, gluten-free, it started as a gluten-free bakery and then it was our gluten-free dairy-free bakery because we both have issues with gluten and dairy. And then, um, after just all the reading documentaries and just living her life to a certain degree, she just, uh, realized that she wanted to make the push to full vegan. Um, and she refers to herself as plant-based, not vegan. And I think that's mainly because of um, just how the word vegan can the be. The stigma, the stigma. The stigma, it. yeah, great. Yeah, that's a perfect word for it. The stigma uh, you know, associated with being uh, a vegan is, is, is fairly proselytizing. Um, so she... Uh, but she started this and she had a, she ran it successfully going to farmer's markets uh, for a couple of years. And then as is kind of her, um, it's kind of her MO is that she's, she's always looking for that one big all encompassing thing that's going to kind of fulfill everything that she wants to do. But she also has the most eclectic interests and ideas all at once. So, um, nothing ever quite meets all of it and so that we're still in the evolution of that but she ended up stopping the bakery 
despite it being a profitable business. And she condensed it all into a cookbook, which is available at, uh, at her Instagram, which her Instagram is uh, two little buns, at Two Little Buns Bakery. Uh, and it's, the link is in the bio. The direct link is gumroad.com slash taproot. Uh, but you can buy the um, fully gluten-free, fully vegan or plant-based uh, cookbook. And there's some amazing recipes in there that she worked on for years. So very interesting stuff there for sure. And I'm sure we'll plug that again when she comes back on. All of the no- all of these links will be in the show notes. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's I loved, I love talking about that. I love talking to you. I love just getting that perspective. I can't wait to ask her from your, from her perspective, like that time at the bar. Cause I know I'm going to, I'm going to mention that now and her asking you that type of beer. I'm going to see what she remembers about that night. And uh, you looked at her with that. And I got to say, you got that oh. little cl- dimple cleft in your chin. <laughs> that's like super, like, you know, GQ model quality. You're a handsome, a handsome, handsome man. And I envy you and I hate you for it with your full head of hair (laughs) and your chiseled good looks and your gorgeous and and crazy wife. And I'm here in my tiny apartment, not a tiny house, but Hey, you know, we're all making moves. We're all trying to be better and we're all trying to just live our life and be good people. And I think you're a good person. Uh, I appreciate you having, Oh, thank you. Um, Is there anything else you want to say before we, uh, we close out? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered quite a, quite a bit. And, uh, I hope that, um, I know your last guest got to come on. Oh, you're you're coming on again. You're coming on again. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. But I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up. You're going to be the first guest I'm changing things up on. Normally I have them say, this is Dan Sullivan. And this has been my aimless conversation. Instead. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, thank you everybody for joining us. This has been my aimless conversation with Jeff Cosetta and and then you can say your name. Okay. So that way you don't have to worry about remembering all that stuff. I think it's just easier if I just say Jeff Cosetta and, and you just say your name and then we say goodbye. I think it makes it way easier on the guests so they don't have to memorize anything. All right. So for, for again, if anybody wants to check out all the links, uh, two little buns at two little buns, the cookbook, we'll look at the tiny house blog. All of that'll be there. Dan, if you want me to include any of your social media, hit me up with that. I'll include that in the links or if there's anything else. If I not, don't have any. Okay. So then perfect. Dan, Dan, Dan uh, you're still the funniest guy I know. I, I have, <laughs> as much as, as much as I as hate you for you it are sometimes. My, you are the funniest guy I know. Jeff. You know, we, we have other people. I'm not going to throw them under the bus, Matt Keating, Matt Keating. Um, <laughs> that, that may say something, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he listens to this now just to hear his name. I don't know if I'm going to, I might, I might share this out. I'm going to share it out anyway. If you want to share it out, feel free. Like, let's get some listeners on this. Yeah, I'm definitely going to share But uh, yeah, thank you for being on. We'll definitely have you on again. Uh, I think when we interview Jess, I think we'll start right off with how she met you. Go into the tiny house story from her perspective and then talk about some of her fitness stuff. But Dan, uh, always a pleasure. I'm sure I'll be talking to you. I'm actually on vacation from work. I won't be back till Tuesday. Uh, so I won't, talk, I won't be bugging you and, and chatting you for a while. But thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, give us five stars, recommend us to a friend. You want to be on a guest? Hit me up. I'm at jfree82 on Twitter, on Instagram. Slide into my DMs. It's cool. Just don't be weird about it. Um, but I'd love to have everybody else on, a, everybody else that wants to be on as a guest. I'd like to have anyone that wants to be on just to work on my interviewing skills. If you enjoyed it, please share this with a friend. Like, 
I said all that stuff already. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been my aimless conversation with Jeff Cosetta and Dan Sullivan. Thank you guys for listening and have a great day. Thank you.